Hello and welcome back to the Sandra Lanch podcast. I am Joe and with me as always is Jack, Jamie, and Data. Yes, and we are talking about Mistborn, The Well of Ascension, chapters 26, 27, and 28, wherein, uh, you know, Vin puts on a dress, they go to Ellen's dad's place, there's some fighting, some arguing, a threat of killing, and then they go back, and then Ellen loses uh, his kingship. It's all very sad. They, You know, he wrote his own law to depose himself, which seemed kind of silly. And now we're trying to get the kingdom back, so that's where we are. Hold on to something, everyone. The Sanderlanch is about to begin. Elders tell us, keepers of the bottom, treasures of the dirt. Russian string, we scribble and sing, and dig for the animals of the earth. And we try, try, try to keep a little beauty in the world. Yeah, so these uh, it's it's been a while since we actually uh, got together and read some chapters. I hope everyone managed to remember for two weeks what uh, what we were doing here. So, what did you guys think of these three chapters overall? Uh, too much politicking for me, you know. I was hoping for some action. We really just got a lot of posturing. I would say that uh, two chapters of of straff time is one and a half chapters too long. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> but no, I mean, they were, they were good. I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping that we get into some action soon though. I know we keep saying that and I know, you know, Brandon Sanderson's got his own way of doing things, but I'm just like, ah, oh, geez, come on. When's it going to start? The politics is the action. It's a political thriller. That's, that, that's why the big dramatic end of the section is like, oh no, he's been deposed. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun. Exactly. <laughs> no, I, I tend to agree. As I was reading this, just like, okay, cool. Now we get to the fighting, and then it didn't happen. So I was like, oh, like that for what they were, they were good chapters. But I'm just like, all right, really need some action to happen. I'm starting to get a bit. Come on, let's go. Let's get this sandlance rolling. Honestly, the more I read of Zane, the more I don't like the guy. Like that that bit with him and Vin talking. I'm just like, oh my god, you need to just piss off. He does harp on about the same things over and over. Yeah, I'm just like, all right, yeah, change your tune, dude. Weird, weirdly enough, I came out of these chapters it's like, all right, I actually have a you know a bit a little bit of respect for Elland. Yeah, he made a mistake writing that law in, but he has the integrity to stick by it. And it's like, I, like I'm prepared to take my kingdom back, but I'm going to do it the right way. I'm just like, this may be misguided, but you're sticking to, you're sticking to your ideals in a very shitty situation. It's like, I can't really fault you for that. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I um I agree with the other guys as well. I think we're really ready to see something unravel. And look, I don't know if it's just that we're looking at things really closely and going, come on, it's got to happen now. I, I think I was hoping for something a little bit more exciting for the end of part two, but <laughs> on it, it, forgetting that it's it's part of the end of part two, I quite liked the interaction between Elland and Straff. Not surprised at all that Straff is a jerk for all time. I I liked that Straff was uncomfortable. I quite enjoyed that we got a viewpoint from him at the at the end of that encounter. You know, why did I let yeah. him go? He's it's sort of showing that you know what he is a bit insecure, and it's like you know just kill them. Like you've got to you've got to get it done. 
<laughs> we this isn't going to work out well for us. So I, I think I enjoyed that he's not as stable as what he appears to be, which, sorry, not stable, mentally stable, but in a position in the, you know, battle. So I, I really, yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm like he's obviously not the most stable person around, but, you know, he does bring off that, you know, you, we, we've come from, Straff drinking the poison because he's invincible and everyone needs to see that to seeing inside his head going shit 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 <laughs> you know um <laughs> so I thought that was really good and even for Zane to sort of turn around and go oh wait what I, oh, I don't want to kill her like <laughs> we can't do that I also really liked the interaction between Ellen and Straff when Vin wasn't in the room even though we know Vin's listening and doing her alamancy to sort of prove their point but Ellen stood up to his dad and I was like yes you tell him what you think this is good this is good Tidwell would be so proud of you right now (laughs) so I I thought that was really good too and yeah I mean the the final chapter that we read with Ellen why did you do that you know writing in the law but it's exactly what I would expect for him he's Considering when we first met him, we didn't really rate him. And even at the last book and the start of this book, we were like, oh, of course, he's King Elland. You know, I think he does fundamentally, he's a good guy and he is trying his best to, you know, return Luthadel to prospering government and and make it a better place genuinely. And he's like, look, I don't necessarily have to be the one at the helm for that. I want to be, but if the people have spoken, the people have spoken as well. You know, we're going to do this the right way. I'm no better than anybody else who's come from before me. If I just go, nah, eh, I, I tell you you're wrong and I'm going to do it this way anyway. He's he's really trying to think of the people and, you know, have the democracy and stuff. So I thought there were some really good Ellen chapters, but I do, yeah, I, I'm I'm ready to see some action. I don't think we're at the Sanderlanch. We won't be at the Sanderlanch for quite some time, but we need something to happen now. There's so much up in the air that it's like, okay, one of these plates has to fall at some point. We, we, it's time. We've, we've got to see something something happen. But, yeah, otherwise, as usual, an enjoyable read. I'm still really loving the book. So, yeah. Okay. Interesting. So there's – well, I mean, I guess it, it something is dropped already because we know that he just lost his uh, – after a successful mission to Strap Ventures camp, he lost being king. But, yeah, uh, but there's still like it's not it's not an all hope is lost in that mm. yet. Like he's he's lost it, but doesn't he have like a grace period or something that he can convince? Like there's something written in there that he can do something to try and get it back. It's not like a done deal, but I think no. of all the things that could happen, it's it's probably the least thrilling of all the things that could have gone wrong. <laughs> You're like I didn't think he should be king in the first place, so he's not king anymore. It doesn't really. Okay. Yeah, but he started something. Well, yeah, and it's just like yeah. just when just when he starts getting kind of good at uh, at the job, they're like, oh, by the way, you don't have it anymore. Mm. Isn't that just? I the did way? actually, I did actually really like the the bit about you know Straff's got his spies in there. I said, I guess that was a really good a good little tidbit for us as well. It was like, oh, yep, don't forget the spy, don't forget the mm. spy. Possibly more than one spy. You know, we're so focused on the Kandra, but. You know, just having regular people in there too, in the assembly, and you know, so I guess that is that is sort of an exciting thing that happened. But it'll be good to see where that goes. Mm, yeah, he has sources, he claims. So, mm. okay, well, I guess let's get into these uh, chapters then. Our epigraph here just talks about how he always claimed he was no warrior, but he came to fight as well as any. He was forced into war by a misunderstanding, is what it says, and I'm like, I don't know how that works, but okay. 
he's, he's the guy who fa- who falls asleep on the on the cart while he's just hitchhiking, and then it like, turns out it's a supply <laughs> cart for the army, and he wakes up. He's in the middle of a battle. Someone hands him a sword. He's like, "Go kill them." You're like, "Oh, uh, okay, yeah, all right." Well, whatever it was, I guess it worked out for him. Except that we know, you know, he eventually died. But he was he lived a thousand years ago. He'd be dead anyway, probably. Well, I guess no. The power made the Lord Ruler live really. What? Well, whatever. It doesn't matter. They're both dead it's, now. It's, it's the Simpsons thing. It's like, hey, you got a choice of the army or jail or apologizing. Like, well, if I knew there was a war going on, I probably would have apologized. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was classic. Good old Simpsons. Was that Skinner or not that Skinner? Skinner. Arm, Armin Tanzarian. That's the one. Yeah. Okay. So we start out the chapter with Orser being like, this is really not a good idea. You should not be doing this, Vin. And uh, it is, you know, a crazy plan to go alone into the enemy camp. But we've kind of talked about that a lot. Orser has his own kind of view on it because he's like, hey, I had to study Straff and he is like bad even for a human. Yeah, when he started talking about this, it just made me think. I don't know. I just keep leaning into this from, that he's actually the Conjure spy. Oh, here come but, volcanoes! Yep. Yeah, here it comes. Uh, <laughs> but do his thing. but, but uh, he, uh, you know, he likes Vin now. He's he's gotten yep. to know her and he kind of likes her. So he's kind of saying like, look, Vin. I mean, you don't know this, but I, you know, Straff's my master and he's he's a bad guy. Like I I don't think you should cross him. He's not a person to be crossed. I know that firsthand. Uh, with all the beatings he's given me, basically. So even though he's he's couching it in, like, I had to learn about him when I was trying to be Renault. I think he's speaking from more personal experience. Mm, interesting. I, I eat bones because I have to. He does it for fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I totally see that, actually. Because he has a very strong opinion on Straff here. Uh, oh, and I was going to jump our, I mean, it was it's right here at the beginning, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and read this one section from the annotations because it was kind of interesting here. So he says, in the original version of this chapter, I had Vin think that Ellen's idea to go into Straff's camp was terrible. She thought it was too dangerous, even foolhardy, and since Vin is generally very competent and trustworthy, the reader agreed with her. They all thought that Ellen was doing something incredibly stupid in this chapter. Now, what I've been trying to do was to have her offer strong objections and then get brought around by the end of it to admitting that Ellen was right. Unfortunately, that didn't work for the scene. The plan was crazy enough that the readers were already inclined to think it was crazy. When I instead switched the narrative so that Vin had a grudging yet favorable opinion of the visit to Straff's camp, with her weight of trust built behind the endeavor, suddenly the readers had no problem with what Ellen is doing. Readers trust Vin more than Ellen, which makes sense. Um. Yeah, no, no surprises there. <laughs> so just an interesting look at what the chapter was originally, where instead of her trying to convince Orser here that, no, you know, th- this will work. Ellen's right. She was just like, oh, this is a terrible idea. So, yeah, she spends the beginning of the chapter thinking about and convincing. Like She goes over the problems with the plan. Like, uh, you know, there's this and this thing go wrong, but it's it's our best plan. And she uh, puts on her dress, which we find out is kind of customized for fighting, which is kind of nice. This guy, uh, Orser says, theorizes that he has worked for Mistborn before because he's put in some places to hide daggers and for metal vials and all this stuff. I thought that was really cool. It's a nice little note. I I mean, I guess it makes sense, right, that some dressmakers in the Final Empire would be used to Mistborn women, but... Yeah. I mean, Tinwill was sort of giving him pointers when he was was measuring her for the dress. It's like, oh, by the way, you got to add pockets and 
make the skirt shorter and or like so it's easy to move and that sort of yeah. thing. So that's true. And then when he found out who she was, you know, I'm sure he was like, Oh well, I need to do what I would normally do for other Mistborn. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what what did you think of the conversation about the gender of Orsor? <laughs> You're a boy, Kandra, aren't you? <laughs> but I was like, that's actually a good point. We don't know. We've, yeah. you know, in our heads, it's like, yeah, it makes sense. Also, as a guy, maybe because he was Renault or it was Renault, you know, who was male. But there's no reason that he couldn't take on a female form. Right. They they are. But I think, did it turn out that he is, in fact, a boy? I don't think... Uh, Orsher mm-hmm. ever confirms one way or another what he 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 asks how yeah. do you know that gender is not easy to tell in my people since our forms are fluid and Vin just says I can tell and he's like yeah he <laughs> it off <laughs> yeah she's like you're obviously a guy like, <laughs> I mean whatever <laughs> I was I was expecting the conversation to go you're a boy canter how do you know that how do I know that I've got no idea. <laughs> <laughs> So apparently there are genders among the Chandra, so it's not like they're like gender neutral or anything. Because yeah. he, he says, or Orser says that it, it's not easy to tell, but that implies they're that right. you can tell. Yeah. So I don't know. Do 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 we agree with Vin? Is Orser a boy Chandra? Oh, I, mean, I don't know. We've, <laughs> we've always just thought of him as male, but like I said, it's just because he assumes male forms all the time. So who really knows? I guess the, the flip side is, does it really matter? Right. <laughs> Ben seems to be saying that, you know, a girl Chandra would have an an opinion on this dress. I mean, come on. If if you're going to even if you're a boy Chandra, if you're going to pretend to be a woman, you got to have some fashion sense or sure. So does that imply female Chandra are picky about the bodies they choose? It's like, no, I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not going to wear that body. It has a big ass. (laughs) (laughs) No, is trying to, you know, have as little known about him as well. So or it as well. So it's yeah. Why why would they chime in when they're not really needed to? Like they, yeah. So right. I I don't know that Vin's reasoning is correct. You know, I just I can just tell. You know, that's that's <laughs> not really a good way to figure it out. But yeah, <laughs> yeah I think Dax's right. You know, it doesn't matter. Not really. <laughs> no. All right. Except for us talking about Orsur, it's like we we need some pronouns. But other than that, it's just. Whatever you want. You you do you, uh, bone-eating yeah. blob. The book, <laughs> the book keeps referring to him as a him, so I guess, like, out of habit, we'll probably just keep doing the same, but ultimately, yeah. like, really doesn't matter much. Yeah, no, I agree. Because if he turned, you know, if he ate a girl, then they'd probably refer to him as a girl, so whatever. Yeah. yeah you guys are saying it doesn't matter, but, I mean, he's a, he's a living being. Entitled I mean. to be whatever they would like to be. I, I was just kidding. I don't really care. <laughs> he, he might be a boy wolfhound at this point, so we would. I, I think he described well, the wolfhound as a male. So that's that, that's that's a good point. Like if he takes over a dog, like uh, has the dog been neutered? Mm, interesting. Or like it, would that be something they ignore when they're building the muscles and the body around? This is not a road we need to go down. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so <laughs> moving away from dog genitals. Uh, if, uh, <laughs> it's a lie. Yeah. So Orser thinks that he's going on, uh, on this trip and she's like, it wouldn't really make any sense for me to bring my pet dog on this trip. So I'm going to leave you here. And he kind of goes, my prediction it. already shot. That's exactly what I was thinking. I was like, so Dak, your prediction, how did that work out? Oh, man. And she's kind of disappointed that he wasn't, 
you know, more gung ho about fighting her on uh, fall or going with her. Their relationship is developing in strange ways. Then we cut to Ellen and Ham, and Ham is trying to convince Ellen to let him come along as the coachman and take his own coach. And we, it gets seeded in here by Dachshund that the assembly has uh, moved up their meeting to the exact time that Ellen was heading out there, coincidentally. Did you guys think of anything of this at the time? I knew this was going to be important in some way. I was like, oh, that's not good. Mm. Like, the fact that it's arrived right now, that's going to be significant. Yeah, yeah I, I sort of thought that maybe Ellen, like, Ellen ignoring the assembly once again would kind of be something, but I didn't expect it to mean he'd be deposed. It just reminds me of what we were talking about before. Where when we were talking about, what was it, the coins? And Jamie's like, no, Brandon Sanderson doesn't just put this random stuff in there and not have it go anywhere. So it, it it's uh, bearing that out, I guess. Thanks, Chekhov. <laughs> and Ham's amazed that Vin is wearing a dress. He expected her to go in trousers to meet the king of the northern dominance. <laughs> and then they make fun of his vests. And there's a, they, they take a minute for Ellen to compliment Vin on how gorgeous she is in the dress. And if we weren't marching off to near certain doom, I'd be tempted to command a ball held to show you off. I, I love her line. Near certain doom is that compelling. Huh? <laughs> it's very cute moments between them. They, they, they work together somehow, and it's kind of fun. The, their relationship is really sweet. As long as Zane doesn't get in there and get in Vin's head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, guys, I came up with a great name. Since he wears vests, he can be Ham Solo. <laughs> oh. oh, come on. You know you like it. You know, no, it's, it's not it's that. Something. It's like the the place my mind immediately went. It's like, does that make Breeze chewy? <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 Han Solo isn't that philosophy, philosophical. That's the word. Not I almost said philosophical. That's not. Anyway. <laughs> But now, now you got me thinking, like, if you reversed it, and so all of a sudden Ham is Chewy, and it's like, maybe Chewy was, like, spouting philosophy all this time, and we never knew it. <laughs> yeah, if so, Han Solo is definitely not translating very well. He's like, fix it! And he's like, Grrr! And, you know, <laughs> if he's talking about ancient philosophers, I don't think that was really what was needed at the time. So Chewy yelling was just like, but what happens when we pass beyond the veil into the void beyond? And Han's just like, fucking fix it! <laughs> <laughs> He's like, but to be therefore I am. Fix it. <laughs> <laughs> so okay, so we we get into the carriage, and they do some going over the plan again. They there there's a couple sweet moments where she's like, no, you can't kiss me. I just did my makeup. And there's no, I, I like the part where Ellen says he's not worried about his safety, and she's like, why? And she, he's like, because I have you. You're worth an army, Vin. And then she gets to kiss him because uh, she's a misborn and they're uh, more graceful and careful. And they kind of hash out some of this stuff that she's been worrying about with her relationship. And Ellen's conclusion is just like, hey, then whatever you want to do, you do you because I love you. So that's all that matters. You do what you want. Very supportive. Yeah. Correct answer, Ellen. <laughs> like you said, good Ellen chapters. Yeah, he's uh, he's making some progress in various ways here. It's a good thing. He, he makes an interesting point about Straff and uh, how he works with allies. He's like, one doesn't ally with House Venture. One agrees to be dominated by House Venture. So I believe that about Straff. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You, you could see Sean Bean in the GIF or the meme. <laughs> one does not simply ally 
with House Venture. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And when they arrive in his camp, they find out that uh, Straff has made up for his lack of military experience by getting obligators to administrate his uh, army for him. They had to go somewhere, I guess. Now, this was probably the most interesting part to me of this first chapter, because you got to wonder, what is he promising them? Is he going to bring try to bring back their religion? But then who's the Lord Ruler? Is he propping himself up as Lord Ruler? Like, he, these are administrators of a religion that's now defunct, so... Mm-hmm. What are mm, like? Point. What is his? What is his hold on them here? Is it just money? Is it power? You know, it's just kind of a, kind of a weird uh, relationship. Well, and when Zane was, you know, talking about God, is telling him to kill people and stuff. It's like who's his God as well? So there's something going there. Like he's strath building himself up to be his own God or something. Like, yeah, there's definitely something going on there with their religion. I hadn't considered that religion aspect. I just I just assumed with the obligators it was a case of uh, Straff was the closest thing to the old way um, that they were so used to. Because, like, like Ellen said, he's the perfect nobleman. He's just ruthless and very focused on himself. He's the perfect representation of what the final empire was uh, mm. in the immediate vicinity. Like, or at least he's the closest approximation to it in the immediate vicinity. So they've teamed up with him because it's the closest way they can get back to the good old ways. Yeah, I mean, they were like, you know, the priests of the religion in in addition to administrating the empire. But religion, even among we find out even among the nobility was never like really focused on within the final empire because the Lord Ruler was like, whatever, I'm God. Worship me. Don't worship me. Doesn't matter to me. I'll kill you if I feel like it. And if I don't feel like it, I won't. So it you it's hard to say how much any of these obligators were committed to the religion as an ideal or how many of them were just there for to be part of the machine and have some power and we haven't gotten to really talk to any of them since the lord ruler fell so there's no telling if they're still working as a group if they have some sort of motivations or uh, what the deal is i mean there's also the inquisitor factor um mm-hmm. to cover because like they, there was always that massive rivalry and then the night before um, the Lord Ruler fell, like he basically deposed the obligators and put the Inquisitors above them, which they weren't happy about. So right. whether or not Straff has promised that he will uh, sort out the Inquisitors for them, or at least protect them from the Inquisitors, because, yeah, I, I feel like no one's saying anything, but there's got to be this sort of lingering thing in the back of everyone's head, just like, what happens when the Inquisitors come back? Because there are still some of them out there. Yes, you're right. This is something that people should be worried about. <laughs> Ellen seems to think that his father's got these guys working for him because he thinks that he will be able to control them. How? Who knows? That's all the information we really get on it. And then we show up, and uh, Straff is there to greet us. And he's like, you actually came. And Ellen's like, what, you're surprised? And he's like, I, you're just, I see that you're just as big an idiot as ever, boy. I could have you killed with a bare wave of my hand. Yeah, it's, that's Straff. No respect for his son immediately out the gate. I was actually really surprised here when he shows up and it says like he'd always been a large man. Uh, I always pictured Straff as portly, but not tall. I always imagined him as like a head shorter than Ellen mm. um, for some mm. reason. So when it said, when it said, oh, he's always been a large man uh, with a commanding posture, I'm, I'm just like, wait, is he tall? I never pictured Straff as tall. Now I'm trying to think. I put... 
there was a Straff Venture picture from the game that I put on Instagram for one week, and uh, I know he looks thin. I don't remember if he looks tall there. It's hard to say without anything to compare it to. Yeah, I think it's like it's like a chest-up shot, so I don't know that you can really tell. No, there's a there's a chest-up shot, but there's also like a down-to-the-knees shot. Uh, it's it's hard to tell because there's nothing to compare to in the picture, but it, I feel like he looks kind of tallish. I don't know. Hmm. There you go. I never really thought about it, honestly. That's an interesting point. But yeah, that's not. It says that he was all, he'd always been a large man, and I guess in my mind that was like saying he was kind of heavy, but tall makes more sense, especially since in this picture we're talking about he's not heavy at all. No. Nah. So we start out uh, with Ellen trying to play very weak. To his father, he's just like, hey, I've always been in your power, right, father? You could have killed me and taken my city any time. But I'd like to, you know, introduce you to my girlfriend and talk about some stuff. And Straff immediately catches her soothing his emotions and is like, tell her to stop that. And then there's the moment where she's like, oh, man, I was trying my subtlest that I could be. And he noticed me. And Ellen's like, oh, he's also a Tenai, so he's probably listening to us right now. Mm -hmm. Did you guys think that this was legitimate, like she was being uh, honest here? You know, for a second I did, and I was like, wait a minute, she's smarter than this. What is she really doing? <laughs> Basically my reaction. Yeah. And uh, honestly, even Ellen twigs to it pretty quickly, like within a page or two. He's like, oh, I see what she's doing. She's yep. already got him underestimating her. Very clever. Yeah. She's very good at acting exactly like uh, the way that makes him non-suspicious of her. And I imagine that she's... It never really says, but I imagine that she's using her allomancy also very subtly to try to make him continue to underestimate her. And Straff has a beard now. Random. It's like, I thought beards weren't in fashion. He's like, I set the fashion now, boy. I am the beard. <laughs> Beards are itchy. I don't know why anyone would want one. But yeah. they're po they're posturing, going back and forth. And Ellen, he tr he's trying to set up uh, their plan. He's like... We can have an alliance against Set, because the whole idea, in case anyone's forgotten in the audience, was they want to make both armies think that they're allied with them against the other one, to play them off of each other. And Ellen uh, thinks that he's doing a really good job of it, convincing his dad, and then Straff's like, nope, that is not how we're going to play this. And uh, while they're discussing this, and the fact that, uh, while, while they're talking about the Adium and whether or not it was found in the city... Straff has uh, his Ska come in, who looks a lot like Vin, but is a couple years younger. He just He's trying to make a point. I can get one just like yours, only younger and prettier. Which Asshole. Is gross. <laughs> yeah, it's just... I like it. Also just pathetic. It, it kind of is, isn't it? It's like, how petty and like stupid can you be here? And then Vin jumps in and says that they don't have the adium, and Ellen has to catch up a little bit. He's like, Vin tends to do things by instinct, and all the planning in the window will go out the, or all the planning in the world will go out the window with Vin around. But she, what she didn't said was usually better. It's nice that he trusts her so completely that, to be like, yeah, if she, if she makes a play, we're gonna back that. And then he kicks uh, everybody out, so or Straff kicks everybody out, so he can have a private talk with Ellen, and that is the end of the chapter. So things do not start out well for their plan, which, as we find out later, is uh, Straff legitimately feels like that he probably would have fallen for their plan if not for the spy letting him know ahead of time what they were planning on trying. Yep. Ellen may never know that. He just thinks that he can't get this thing done. 
Uh, let's see. The next epigraph is talks about what a, he was a force of leadership, a man that fate itself seemed to support, whatever that means. We're still in fun fact about Alendi territory. So <laughs> it's been it's like, going for a while. There's this guy I really hate. I'm going to write all these amazing things about him. <laughs> it is overwhelmingly positive about him. But he he also has to excuse himself since he's the one who proclaimed that he was, you know, the hero or whatever. He has to be like, no, but you have to understand yeah. there was some really good evidence. It's not my this, fault. This this is why I thought that. My bad. <laughs> yeah. And I, I like that the chapter starts out with Straff being like, okay, look. I'm I'm seriously about to have you killed because you're just pissing me off now. Fun, funnily enough, the reaction is like you'd execute your only son, and Straff just shrugs. And it's like <laughs> Ellen thinks that means something different to what it probably actually means, because Straff's just like, eh, sure, hardly, why not? That's an interesting yeah. point. Yep, I hadn't even thought about it like that. I was just thinking because like in a minute here, Straff's like the Scar were supposed to kill you and free me of you forever. <laughs> So I was like, yes, he would kill you, Ellen. It's not, it doesn't matter. He's his only legitimate son that we know of, which yeah, yeah. was important under the final empire. Maybe is not anymore. And then Straff drops the bomb that he already has a treaty with Set. Set is just interested in the Adium and doesn't really care about the city. And he says that they've agreed to split the Adium and the empire, basically. Set's really holding a grudge over his daughter. <laughs> maybe. He's like, whatever, keep her. <laughs> I don't want I don't want the city. Give me the Adium. I don't know. Ellen thinks that he's bluffing. He's like uh, Straff doesn't make alliances with people, uh, not people that he doesn't have under his thumb. Like we established that earlier. You don't get to ally with House Venture. You get to be dominated by House Venture. So uh, Ellen even says, you think I would believe that? And Straff's like, whatever. I don't care if you believe it or not. And Ellen brings up the Coloss again. And Straff's like, oh, right, the Coloss. That's I can't even pretend to have an alliance with them. That's not how that works. Although he probably could, honestly. Jastis might make an alliance with him if it, it's hard. I don't know if anyone else actually knows who's in charge of this Coloss army. Because most people probably are not going to head in there like Says did and meet the leader. And it's like, good luck trying to plant a spy in that. Because it's like, well, <laughs> there, are only, there are only 20 humans in this camp and we know yeah. them all. Who's this Who's this guy? Kill him. Yep. That's <laughs> right. Just somebody shows up like, hey, can I join your army? Not suspicious at all. I wonder if a Chondra could take over a Coloss and, like, eat them and impersonate them. Ooh. That would be a good spy, maybe. Well, in that one army, it might be a good spy. <laughs> There's dead Coloss laying around all the time, so. <laughs> Just thinking of the conversation, it's like, why'd you kill that Coloss? I hated him. And then he comes <laughs> back. It's like, do you still hate me? Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm just confused. But, uh, let's see. Straff says that you don't understand... I want this city. He thinks if I'd stayed in Luthadel, I would have been the one on the throne instead of you. I can't imagine why. I guess a weak venture was still better than the other alternatives. Yeah, you're not fully yourself at all, dude. Mm. And just everything that his dad says reminds him of how much he hates his dad and like the nobility of the old empire. <laughs> Straff finally says, you've impressed me, boy, wearing proper clothing, getting yourself a misborn mistress, maintaining the control of the city. I'm going to let you live. But he's still like, what you're going to do is hand over the city to me. And that's the only deal that you will get. And when Ellen kind of keeps pushing the negotiation, Straff's finally like, I said this was not a negotiation. You don't get to make demands. So on and so forth. And he's like, in the end, he's like, fine, I'm just going to kill you. You're making this difficult. <laughs> I'm bored now. You die. 
And that is oh, hold on, I'm sorry. Not quite there. He starts to call he calls in the guards to kill Ellen, and Ellen's like, You were never gonna let me live anyway. And Straff confirms that, like, uh yeah, you were dead the moment I decided to march here. Idiot boy. I do thank you for bringing me that girl though. I'll take her tonight. We'll see you. and then Ellen I I like it's a desperate situation and there's like all these explanations for why Ellen just busts out laughing, but most of all it's the idea of Straff trying to force himself on Vin. He's like, You have no idea how stupid you sound. Good luck with that, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's like, uh, why don't you go ahead? Exactly. Why don't you go ahead and try to uh, force yourself upon the most powerful person I've ever met in my life? I'm sure that'll go really well for you. <laughs> and that is how somewhere at the conventicle of Saran, they look up and all of a sudden, like, Strathbench's body just flies out of the sky and lands on it. <laughs> that's, that's about right. Just punch him across the country. And Alan just goes off on his dad. You're a pig, a sick, disgusting man who thought you were a brilliant leader but was barely competent. Only the Lord Ruler's death saved you from destroying our house. And, I mean, he just continues. He's like, you know, I may have been a bad king, but you'd be a terrible one. And on and on. And he finally ends on an idea where he's like, hey, if you kill me, you're going to die too. And that's where we get the uh, Venice listening outside scene and Zane is showing up. And they listen from the outside as Vin- as Ellen's like, Huh, you thought I was here to negotiate. No, I'm here to get close to you so that we can kill you if we feel like it. And Ellen, he, he breaks it down for him. Where he's like, look, you were suspicious of her. And then she confirmed those suspicions. And then you ignored her. Like, would a rational person just dismiss a misborn, no matter how small or quiet? In fact, you'd think that the small, quiet ones would be the one assassins you'd most want to pay attention to. And she starts using her powers out there to stoke certain emotions as Ellen commands them fear, passion, calmness. And then she does the severe thing where she burns Duralumin at the same time as she's uh, soothing so that she just like calms all of his emotions away. So good. That was oh, really cool. God. It's an awesome moment. I feel like where uh, she's like, yeah, look what I can do. And Zane shows up. He's like, why can I never sneak up on you? And <laughs> He plays it off as just a thing, but it's like, oh, usually it's because uh, she has the super ability to pierce copper clouds, which you don't even imagine exists. But this time she just hurt you. So, And Ellen is just here like, hey, no, if you kill me, she's going to kill you and also your generals and your captains and your obligators. She kills all of you. And Zane is out here like, look, see, this is exactly what I was telling you. He's using you. And then... Why she would say something like this, given that Zane works for Straff, he's like, no, he's bluffing Zane. He'd never actually do anything like that. I'm like, Vin, what are you – do you not remember whose side you're supposed to be on here? I think he's having trouble remembering who, which side Zane's supposed to be on, given everything he said. Mm, well, that's a fair point. I do like Zane's line about like, oh, so it's only a small line then – or a small lie then. Those are fine when one is king. Like, shut up, Zane. <laughs> Yeah, I really just want her. To, uh, this kind of entire conversation I was like, Vin, please just put your knee into his balls. <laughs> what, if, what if the book is setting us up so that she can be with Zane and he's the good guy? I well, find that a- answer vague and unconvincing. Yeah, <laughs> he's obviously not a good guy, so I don't really know what what you're saying there. Just because he's crazy. I mean, come on. <laughs> he loves you, or he loves having you. And he goes through the whole thing like, he can't understand you. He can't know about the things that we mistborn know and love. 
has he ever even seen those? And he's talking about the stars that normal people can never see because you can't see through the mists. And then, you know, that song just kicks in. No one knows what it's like. (laughs) (laughs) But then their conversation ends with her seeing the scars on his arms, which we know are because he likes to sit around and cut himself. But uh, she's like, you were in the pits of Hatson, like Kelsier. Yeah, so now she's building this picture of him in her head that is not right. That's not good. He's just let her believe it. Well, yeah. She's associating him with Kelsier now. That's probably half of his goal this whole time. Like, mm. And uh, and then we cut back to Straff, and he's like, just go. Get out of here. And that's where we get the Straff uh, point of view that you, you were talking <laughs> yeah. about, which is a great POV here. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like this part of the book is just it made me think of Leonardo Leonardo he's just like well played <laughs> well played Finn. is this some sort of gay thing <laughs> <laughs> no are you sure, are you sure? Mm, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I vow that my revenge won't be swift or entertaining good times man that show was so good Six episodes. Uh, okay, sorry. Back to the thing. <laughs> Straff is finally realizing that uh, maybe he shouldn't have been un- underestimating this girl the whole time. Because even before he met her, we know that he was like, oh, she can't possibly be, th- these rumors can't be true. And Zane shows up and is like, you look like you've seen a ghost father. Your own, perhaps? He's such an asshole. Not as much as Straff. Sorry, that but... is just not, that is not a good line. <laughs> your own perhaps oh my god <laughs> and then Straff's like there was someone else out there right like a couple more Mistborn helping her yeah because some more Mistborn just snuck into your camp without you noticing that that makes you feel better right absolutely and Zane's like nope she is actually that strong and so Straff's like okay that's it change of plan you have to kill her now and uh, he's like, we can do it now. They don't have the adium. And Zane's like, wait a second, did you believe that? And Straff's like, I was so thoroughly manipulated, I probably cannot trust anything they said. Still want her dead, though. Yeah. I feel like if you if you took a drink every time in these chapters, it says Straff paused, you'd be pretty <laughs> drunk by the end of these chapters. <laughs> there is a fun... Oh, poor Straff. Straff is just... Uh, this is very new territory for him. There is Not a fun... poor Straff. No way. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was wondering if there was going to be you, a What are you talking about? <laughs> Straff's the worst. Straff is so the worst. Oh, my gosh. Okay, sorry. I was going to read something from the annotations here. Does it contain the words poor Straff? No. No. Cool. Oh, there's, I actually meant to read this earlier. There's one note about how maybe going into Straff's camp is not as crazy as you might think. First off, a Mistborn could probably go into the camp on her own if she wanted to at pretty much any time. If Vin wanted to attack Straff's tent, she didn't need to wait until Ellen had an invitation. Because, secondly, there's a feel in this world about using Mistborn. It's kind of like the modern idea of mutually assured destruction. If both parties have Mistborn and one attacks, there will be retribution. So people tend to hold Mistborn back using them mainly in emergencies, lest they unleash something dangerous in return. So, that's... Yeah. Uh, you know, but what I yeah, wanted... Especially since- like they they that they know Straff has his own Mistborn, so those like they know it can be unleashed against them. So it's yeah. not just a he might have one. It's like no no, we definitely know he does. We know that now, yeah. 
Ever since Zane decided to introduce himself as Messenger Boy. Yeah. Oh, okay. So he says, um, I like that this book is again about the Adium. I hope people don't get tired of hearing about it. It's a theme for the series, and at the core, both of the first two books are started by a conflict over the Adium. In book one, the Adium is what Kelsier intends to steal. In book two, the Adium is the reason the warlords come to conquer the city. It's fun that something that has yet to make an appearance, if indeed it's even real, has sparked the conflicts in two separate novels. Did you say if it's even real? That's that's what he says in here, yeah. I mean, the Adium supply, like, never there to begin with? Were they lying about it? Well, he, he made me more like, I mean, we know that Adium was coming into the city. Venture knows that from, like, he was mining it, right? So yeah, it, yes. it, it, it may be more of a case of, you know, maybe Lord Ruler spent or did did something with all that Adium so that there's no longer the giant cash that everyone thinks there is, is that possibility of if it's even there. We just, there's no way for us to know about that at this point. Everyone is just assuming that there is a giant pile of Adium somewhere and we just haven't found it yet. Okay. Straff would know, though. You would think, right? Because mm. uh, he was in charge of delivering it, so... What a great reason for war. Imagine if you knew there was no Adium, and you're like, yep, we're going to go steal the Adium back, knowing full well there's nothing there. Mm. That doesn't surprise me of Straff if he was to do something <laughs> like that. Well, yeah, I mean, when he first showed up, you guys were still like, hey, maybe he does secretly have it, and this is just like a, a boondoggle where he's like, oh, yeah, I'm here to get some Adium. But, the little uh, hamster in, in my head is running very fast on his wheel. Ooh. <laughs> But it does specifically mention in this chapter that the information provided by Zane's Condra spy had been accurate. Ellen did try to make an alliance, and the frightening thing about it was that Straff might have gone along with it if uh, the spy had not sent warning. So there's a Condra, uh, at least close enough to the center of the group that they knew about the plan to try to make an alliance with Straff. Yep. I'm hanging hanging my hat on that Orser <laughs> flag or whatever. I don't know. It's a flag now. <laughs> But we find out that the last thing Ellen said, which we missed because Vin was in the middle of a conversation with Zane, was like, if you send your armies against my city, father, you are going to die. You can't you can try and hide. You can even conquer my city, but she will find you and she will kill you. So your option here is you can wait and I will contact you when my armies are prepared. So they came in with a plan to act weak. And in the end, he just like he really strong armed Strath like hard. <laughs> Probably just a personal satisfaction. It's like, oh, I came here to act weak, but I've been doing that all my life. Do you? You know what? I'm just going to fucking twist this knife as hard as I can. There's, there's some catharsis in there from a childhood of shitness. Oh, I bet there is. Yeah. And Straff is tempted to just attack anyway, because he's like, I know if I do this thing like Ellen wants, as soon as he uses me to help beat set, then I will be instantly betrayed. But he decides that he cannot attack Luthadel while the girl is alive. She's too strong, and he does not want to risk his personal death, uh, even if it means conquering the city. So he's like, no, you have to kill her first, Zane. We can't do anything until then. And Zane's like, I don't know. She's pretty tough. I might need some help. A strike team of Alamancers that can't be traced. Which is when we find out that the reason Straff has dozens and dozens of mistresses is because he wanted some children who were Alamancers. He's only got one Mistborn, which, hey, there's an important fact that we hadn't known before, but he tells us. Only one Mistborn, but mm. lots of misting children. He's got a dirty dozen of his own kids. Mm. <laughs> that is kind of exactly it. Now that you say that, I hadn't thought about it like that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like, it's and like he's the also, strike force thing. Yeah. And he's also like, 
I mean, I just so you know, they may not all survive. He's like, do what you have to do. He's like, I don't care how many of my kids die. I want that city. Yeah. Well, what he really wants is he's like, nobody should have that much power over me, especially not Ellen. So it's not even about the city anymore. It's about like he cannot let somebody have that sort of uh, he's not used to being the uh, submissive in the relationship. <laughs> but then, got, of course, I got to slapped around by my kid. I'm going to make my other kids slap him around. <laughs> slap his girlfriend around i guess is the plan which you know, you know what that I sounds horrible it's, but it's, knowing it's really a means to an end mm, well that's, it's yeah it's less that he wants to kill vin personally it's because she he sees her as a weapon that her, that his son is wielding against him she doesn't care about her as a person that's a really good point yeah even knowing how strong she is it's it's all about ellen and can't let ellen have power over me yeah it's a misogynistic view where he's like, Ellen is the enemy. The girl is just, you know, a tool of his because she's a girl. It, it could be a misogyny thing. It also could be she's a scar. Who gives a shit? Mm, also true. So it might just be it might be racism. Or both. Or both. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> it could be yeah. both. Scar and female. Oh, and then his point of view ends on the really gross turn where he's like, I'm going to send for that girl again she looks enough like ellen's girl that i it'll do me good to remind myself who's really in control which you oh, yeah it's just like you've you've gone from just like an awful person to now just an outright ew disgusting yeah, person yep and then ellen and vin have kind of an awkward ride back where she's thinking about what zane said a little too much i think and he's excited that uh, they were able to protect the city, and he, but he sees how she's reacting and thinks, oh, she saw a better plan and is disappointed in me for not like seeing the best way. But I, I do like how he explains it to everyone else, where he's he says we overlooked our, one of our greatest resources. Everyone, we have a weapon that like nothing that they can match, which is true. Not the nicest way to put it necessarily, but. It's just leaning into what Zane was saying. It's like, he sees you yeah. as a tool. Yeah. It's like, we're just really hammering that home. And Breeze is like, so wait a second. You went into the camp of the strongest king in the final empire and you threatened him? And when Ellen says yes, he's like, that's brilliant! Yeah. This is such a Kelsier plan. that uh, It's great. And meanwhile, Spook's like, well, I guess we don't need a new king. I was kind of looking forward to taking the job. Which you then immediately find out is foreshadowing. Yeah. And Dachshund shows up with a letter from the assembly. And Ellen's like, what's it about? And he's like, I don't know, but I've heard uh, rumors. And the assembly letter says they have decided to invoke the Charter's no confidence clause. We appreciate your efforts on behalf of the city, but the current situation calls for a different kind of leadership than your majesty can provide. Ellen has been deposed. And that is the end of that chapter. So, yeah. Not what you guys were expecting from the end of part two, uh, based on what we were saying earlier. Yes, definitely not the way I expected it to go. No. And the way he says uh, he says it here in the part two wrap-up annotation is that the first section of the book was intended to reestablish the setting and the characters. Part two introduced us to the plot. Now we'll get into the thick of things with three different rulers vying for control of Luthadel. And they hope the hidden Adium supply it represents. So... Although, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if that's exactly right, because I feel like Ellen uh, and Vin have given up on thinking the Adium might still be in the city, because they feel like they've searched everywhere. But maybe... Maybe it is in the city. 
Hmm. Anyway. Part the beginning of part three is still kind of a lendy fun fact. It's like he left ruin in his wake. He created kingdoms and then destroyed them as he made the world anew. Very dramatic now. Genghis Khan? Yeah. You're not far off, it seems like. Yeah. And uh we start out with Tindwill just like berating Ellen. Like, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> so you wrote a law that lets them get rid of their king if they feel like it. <laughs> and she asked the same question like two or three different ways. Like no, no, but you wrote a law that says you could be deposed. Is that what you're saying here? Because that's stupid. Which, on one level, okay, yeah. But Ellen has pretty good reasons. He wants to start a government whose monarchs would be responsible to their subject. And when he says that, Vin's like, man, sometimes it's like he talks like those books that he reads, not like a normal person. <laughs> Tindwell tells him that it was sheer idiocy. A king does not subject himself to the whims of another ruling body. And they probably would have kept arguing about it if Docs didn't jump in and be like, hey, guys, look, talking about the prudence of decisions already passed has little relevance. It's, it's just like, all right, you've been asking this question for about 30 minutes now. Can we please move on? <laughs> yes, he was stupid. What, what else is new? Can we can we be productive, please? <laughs> and I, I like Breeze's take on it is like the people just overthrew a government last year. This is a bad habit to be getting into, I should think. <laughs> <laughs> And the crew is like, no, 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 we need to take over. You're still king. And Clubs is like, and I'm still in charge of the armies. So we say you're king no matter what. And Tindwell's like, yes, martial law. Round up the assembly members who don't agree with you. And Ellen is like, uh, no, 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 no. We're not going to do that. Which I don't know if anybody, ex any of y'all expected him to do differently when they start on this speech about, hey, yeah, let's let's take over the city. And force them to accept you as king. But Ellen is not going to go for that. I knew he would be opposed to the idea, but the fact that he stuck to his guns and, and shut them down. It's like, mm -hmm. all right, d didn't see that coming, uh, but I'm glad to see it. Yeah, he even shuts down Tindwell. She's like, don't be a fool. And he's like, Tindwell, respond to my ideas as you wish, but do not call me a fool again. I will not be belittled because I express my opinion. And Vin's just sitting in the corner like, ha ha. You trained him and now <laughs> Boom, you have roasted. to deal with it. <laughs> And so uh, he's like, I know the law. I wrote it. So we're going to try to get the throne back, but the right way. Well, and she makes a point that people react irrationally during times of like chaos and stuff. So there's a reason why you need a strong leader who can't just be overthrown on a whim. But you can't account for everything when you're creating your new kingdom. Yeah. But she, she finally says, like, OK, what if you can't get your throne back through lawful means? And he says, well, then I accept that and do my best, my best to help the kingdom anyway. And that just makes Vin like, you know what? This is just this just shows me why I love him some more. He's so sincere and he's so determined to actually help people. Even even looking at Kelsier, Kelsier was arrogant, even as a martyr, which is very true. Oh, yeah. And we get the moment where she's like, for the first time, completely and honestly, she decided that Ellen was a far better king than Kelsier would ever have been. Which is also true. Kelsier was so selfish. Oh, Kelsier would have been a shit king. Like, he was, he he loved just like going off and doing his own thing. He never would have sat still for council meetings or like no. planning stuff like that. It was all like even like the planning meetings for a heist were all about the thrill of it rather than what was, he believed in doing the right thing, but it was on his terms and he would never exceed, exceed to anyone else's terms on how to do it so he wouldn't have been a good ruler yeah he would have gotten bored and like wandered off a month in yep 
And then there's the cute moment where uh, Orser's like, uh, Mistress, this is weird. And she realizes that she started, like, scratching his ears. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> I love their relationship developing here. And Orser starts making jokes because Ham and Breeze are uh, being distracting. And he's like, hey, I could eat one of them. <laughs> I just love the, uh, man, these meetings would be so much better if those two just didn't show up. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he's like it seems like the meetings would be more productive if someone forgot to invite them <laughs> and, uh, and yeah he's like when when she figures out it's a joke he's like oh, i'm sorry our comedy's pretty grim <laughs> yeah i just imagine i imagine like a blob on stage and be like hey good evening welcome ladies and gentlemen so glad that you're all here hey uh the other day i had a rat oh boy uh <laughs> My guts are bubbling still. I can still feel it rattling around in there. And let me tell you, <laughs> I had to eat a rabbit just to get it over with. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, um, and you know, it's just really terrible comedy. I imagine their comedy is very anti-humans. It's like, you know, the best thing about humans, how they taste. Yeah. Am I right? <laughs> My favorite is when we come across a freshly dead corpse. Oh, it's great. Did you hear about the farm boy? Yeah, he fell off the roof. His dad made him go up there, and now... (laughs) And we ate him. Oh, boy, he was delicious. Oh, I've been wearing his face every other night. It's the best. Just imagine the the Jerry Seinfeld thing. It's like, instead of airline food, it's like, and what's the deal with terraceman flesh? I mean, come on. Come on. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah and you know all these uh they, they have such a they fight over each other you know ska or nobleman ska or no let me tell you something they all taste the same what's the deal with all these bones why do humans need so many <laughs> yeah they're all equally edible you know what i mean i feel like if you went on a dark a slightly darker road futurama this could be zoidberg's stand-up act yep <laughs> <laughs> Especially the why do the humans need so many bones thing. Yeah, yeah. That, that's very Zoid. <laughs> <laughs> I always forget about the bones. I mean, you know, I, I the best part of it was I was wearing their their father's skin and I went into the room oh. and then I ate all of them. <laughs> they had no idea. <laughs> it was like a buffet. Uh, it was like oh. an all you could slay buffet. I mean, they had no idea. <laughs> Contra can't kill humans. It's in the contract. Yeah, I know. That's why I had my uh, my human with me. You know, <laughs> the one that just runs around with me and kills people for me because he's like, insane. His oh, name that's... is Zane. He's a weird guy. <laughs> but you know, sometimes he I whisper in his ear because he thinks it's me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he he thinks I'm God. If you could believe it, it's great. I mean, I, I don't have to do anything. I just tell him to do stuff, and he does it. And I'm like, kill that guy. And he's like, why? And I'm like. I don't know, just do it. And he does it. Then I eat the guy, and it tastes delicious. <laughs> Who's that guy? Oh, that's the human. What's he do? Oh, normal human stuff. Yeah. He learns, he laughs. He loves. He loves. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I, I do like that Vin ju- just immediately joins in on the joke. She's like, oh, they probably wouldn't taste good anyway. Ham stringy, and you don't, you don't want to know what kind of stuff Bree spends his time eating. And Orser is like, well, one is named Ham, after all. And the other one seems fond of marinating himself as Breeze is holding his cup of wine. 
So, <laughs> uh, good old oh Ham Solo like, and Whiny You were jumping up the ranks towards favorite character. <laughs> <laughs> Orsor, top. The dog is the best character, as usual. Yep. Yep. Play Final Fantasy VII. Red Thirteen's one of the best characters. Nah. No, nah, no. Nah. No, actually, he's not. Sorry, Red yeah. Thirteen. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I just like how quickly Vin just jumps into Conjure humor. She's like, oh, I can get on board with this. <laughs> oh, since we're on the topic of Orosaur as well, I've only just figured out, like, the, the first part of his name is actually a metal pun for ore. Oh, it is. I don't think I ever thought of that. That was one of those lying awake, and I just got, wait a minute! <laughs> See, now you got me thinking, like, are all Chondra like that? But the one other one we know is Ten Soon, and that's Tenzu. not really a metal pun. No, that I yeah, because it's not it. Ten, it's Ten, right? It is Ten, yeah. Oh, missed opportunity, Sanderson. <laughs> <laughs> but Tindwill's name begins with Tin also. I feel like that would get weird. Yeah, but it's it's not like the D is capitalized afterwards, so, like, very obviously yeah, sure. this is the word. Yeah, it's a fair point. Well, maybe it was just three letters that went together, Dak. <laughs> is there You're anything in the annotations about how Candras are named? Nope. Maybe, it's, yeah, maybe it's not a metal pun at all. <laughs> it is. It was well, now. Oh come on, Jamie! <laughs> don't shit on it. Come on. <laughs> but I do like that Tyndall points out. She's like, "Well, wait a second. Is this really the time to get into a protracted legal battle when you have like three armies uh, wanting to take over your city?" And Ellen immediately retorts with. Do you really think that it's a coincidence that I get deposed now when there's three armies wanting to take my city? He's like, this is exactly the time. So if one of the uh, enemy is behind this, who do we think that it would be? This seems like a set play. Um, and I think they kind of they kind of lead us that way in the book when they're when Ellen's like thinking it through. I feel like he has more to lose from not having access to canals and things like that. And um I feel like it would probably have been easier for him as an unknown to uh, get a spy into the into the assembly or a sympathizer into the assembly. So I feel like that this is this is like Seth's play because Straff's play is power, right? He's kind of showed his hand at this point to us, at least for the most part. But Subterfuge is obviously not the Coloss guy's way either. He's got all these Coloss he's just going to try to take the city with. So I feel like this is probably a set play. Yeah, Chastis didn't seem real bright the last time we saw him, so... Breeze does say that it sounds like something Set would do. You just give me a mental image of Chastis trying to put a Coloss on the throne to answer <laughs> through him. It's like, introducing our new king, Blueskin. He's like, my name's Jeff, you racist. <laughs> and Jeff is like, I don't Jeff like this Coloss. guy who put me on the throne. Kill him. And he's like, that's how we do in our culture. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, gosh. Well, Ellen is like, my father seemed hesitant to side with me tonight. You know, if he had already, already had something in the works, then maybe that's why. But uh, we don't really know. Although we saw into Straff's head and know that the reason he was hesitant was because of his spy and what he told him. But that doesn't mean he doesn't have something else in the works. It looks like the spy could be the one who's precipitating all oh, this. Like, they could be. Yeah. Like, it's someone in Ellen's inner circle. If, like, that person is meeting with like other members of the assembly and sort of nudging them towards turning against him. Like this, like the spy could be the person behind the deposing to begin with. That's really, yeah, I don't know about that because he specifically mentions in this 
portion, like Straff mentions that it's a Condra spy, mm -hmm. and we know that the Condra spy is the one who told him that Ellen is trying to play him. So and the assembly members don't know that. Nobody in the assembly knows that. So I don't feel like that could be possible. Well, but it could be just a separate play from like, you know, like, I mean, Doxon's the one who came back with the letter from the assembly, right? If Doxon was secretly, like Dax says, meeting with assembly members and being like, you know, this Ellen guy is not a good king, but you, random assembly member, maybe you would be a great king. I'd love to work with you. And I'm friends with the guy who's in charge of the army. So if I am on your side, then... Plus, we all know Doxon doesn't exactly like Elland anyway, so if he's meeting with other Assembly members and talking about misgivings about Elland, they wouldn't see it as out of character. I I don't know. That's that's a real that's a real deep dive into like Doxon being a bad 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 man. Or a bad 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 bone eating blob. Sure, sure. I'm I'm stick with who I think the bone eating blob <laughs> is, but you know. And uh, they're like, hey, why, why isn't Sage oh, are, are we trying to make a bad to the bad to the bone joke? Bad to the bone eating blob. <laughs> <laughs> bad to the blob. Boom. Nice. <laughs> uh, no. Spook couldn't get Sage to get up to come to the meeting. And Tinwell's like, oh, no, he's recovering. It's a, it's a keeper thing. And Ham's just like, oh, so he needs to refill Metal Mind, huh? And she's just like, hmm, he told you about that, huh? <laughs> I see. <laughs> Giving away secrets. And she's like, traveling keepers, such as Sage, do not take sides in political matters. And Breeze is like, oh, political stuff like overthrowing the final empire? That that sort of thing? <laughs> Man, they are really throwing it in her face. <laughs> you know, Look, she doesn't even feels know good. that how much that pisses her off. No, they yeah, don't. Exactly. She's like, traveling keepers, such as Sage, as if he's lower class than she is. Come on, lady. She, she's, then, she's just like, we're secret keepers, not secret tellers. <laughs> <laughs> but they are tellers. That's what they're doing now. They're supposed to be telling people stuff. But she, she comes back and she says, you should not encourage him to break his vows. If you were his friends, you would see that to be true, I think. We also don't know what his vows are, but right? whatever. Yeah, no one has told them what his vows are, so that doesn't really... Yeah. Come on, Tindwill! But then Breeze just goes in for the kill. He's like... I think you just embarrassed that he disobeyed you all and freed your people in the process. And she's like, I want to fucking kill you. <laughs> she completely ignores that because he's right, probably. And she's just like, yeah, just push on my emotions all you want. You will not have success. And then he, he's grumpy about that. Damn terrorism. <laughs> and then it jumps to Ellen, however, wasn't paying attention to the argument. He already had four books open on the table and was flipping through them. Yeah, and you gotta do what you gotta do. She's like, see, that's the guy. I love that guy. He's still in there somewhere. Yo, I just remember the days when he was courting me by reading books. <laughs> <laughs> and she and Orsor leave. And we cut to Ellen a little bit later. And Tindwell comes up to ask him, you know, how to... Well, first she apologizes for treating him disrespectfully. And she says, I have a habit of treating people like children. It's not something I should be proud of, I think. And, uh... They have a little talk about, you know, how did this happen? And don't you have friends on the assembly? You're the one who gave them your their power. Shouldn't they be supporting you? And honestly, I'm not sure that he does have any friends on the assembly that we've seen. But uh... yeah, maybe not specifically that we've seen. But I feel like there are some people that leaned more towards him on the assembly. It's just they all it's almost like a lobbyist thing, right? They've all got their own agenda that they want to get get taken yeah. care of 
So they they're always going to be shouting about their own needs ahead of what's you know what maybe Ellen is looking at a bigger picture. It's a fair point. Yeah. And Tindwell brings up, it's like, hey, Vin says the meeting with your father went well. And uh, Ellen goes into this, like, I don't know. Like, yeah, that was fine. But I think I offended Vin. She was in a weird mood. And they have kind of a talk where she comes out with the stuff that Vin told her. She's like, you know, she doesn't want to marry you because she doesn't think she's worthy of you. And he's like, she's worth like 10 of me. She's a misborn. And Tindwell's like, you understand very little about women especially young women, their competence has surprisingly small amount to do with how they feel about themselves. That's, I, that's probably not just a woman thing, but whatever. Yeah, I think that's a humanity thing, but maybe mm. it's, it's especially strong in, you know, a teenager, which technically Vin still is, so yeah. maybe it's, you know. And plus, like we've talked about, and like they say in the book, she had a very hard, confusing, and not great ch- uh, upbringing, so. Yep. Yeah. And uh, he, he says, how sure are you about this? And she's like, I've raised a number of daughters. I understand the things of which I speak. He's like, wait, you have children? And she says, of course. And he's like, well, he thinks to himself, like, I thought they were all eunuchs like Sazed, but I guess that can't be true for a woman. But it does strike him as a little strange. She's like, the Lord Ruler had these breeding programs. You'd think that they would have had something to... But she says, hey, look, your relationship with Vin is going to be difficult. She has certain issues that will provide more problems than a con- more conventional woman. And he's like, I don't want a conventional woman. I love Vin. And he, she's like, well, you can't let your relationship with her distract you. And he's like, what are you talking about distracted? She says, well, I asked you about your success with Lord Venture, and you instead want to talk about how Vin felt during the ride home. Which, yeah, okay. That's a good point. Well, guy's young and in love, man. And... He says, I've studied too many hypothetical dilemmas to be caught in that sort of trap. And she's like, I already see a dilemma, and I do, and I find it not at all hypothetical. And then she leaves. He's like, shut your face, Grandma! <laughs> <laughs> but that's the end of our chapter. So yeah, just, uh, I don't know, what do you guys think about this relationship talk that they have about him and Vin? Is he going to go off and find himself a more conventional woman? Uh, I don't think so. He seems pretty firm on what he wants. Yeah. I think Tindwill is really just saying, like, look, you know, I'm here to advise you on how to be the best king. You having a relationship with this woman, it may, it's going to make it a very difficult for you to be the best king that you could be. That's her perspective on it, right? But it doesn't mean that he can't do it. It's just her perspective is, you know, it would be easier if you didn't love this woman. She's probably not wrong, although at the same time... Vin is kind of integral to keeping this kingdom together in a lot of ways. Yeah, for example. Right. She's the most powerful Mistborn we know of right now. It's like she was she's kind of important. Yeah. Okay. Any final thoughts on these chapters before we move into predicaments? Okay. (laughs) Well, what do people have to predict this time? We'll let Jamie go first. I don't think Jamie's gone first in a bit. Yeah, I I don't really have a lot new predictions this time. Um, I think I'm still, if I had to pick someone in the crew that was the Kandra spy, I I still, I like, I really like Joe's idea of it being also, but I think Doxon still makes sense, especially now with the letter. Like he, he had, he's that sort of conduit between the assembly and our crew as well. 
So I think him having the letter makes sense. Like he's in a position to talk to the assembly. Also, I mean, at first, when I first read it and Ellen noticed that Doxon was a little bit off as well, like he got into the same carriage and now like we know that it was to give him the letter as well. It was weird. He's like, he doesn't even really like me that much. Like why is he getting in the, in the carriage? So I think, yeah, I'm still leaning towards Doxon as our spy. Yeah, I don't really have anything new on today's information. I think we've probably got more than one spy and we would be naive to think that Set didn't have spies too. So I think that this move possibly, yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether it's come from Straff's side or Set's side or one of them's floated the idea and they've kind of all gone with it going, yeah, this is great, you know, we'll just show that the whole assembly are spies or something. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) It would... Completely undermine the entire government. Yeah, well, you know, you can be a spy without being a Kandra. But yeah, that's, yeah, I think but... that's all I've really got this time. All right. Well, we know Seth's daughter is in the palace at the very least. So, and she was yeah, spying. I forgot about Powderpuff. She she was spying kind of poorly, but she was doing it. Yeah, exactly. But I, I don't think she's really got interaction with the assembly either. So I I don't I don't know that she would be the Kandra, but she's definitely suspicious looking sus okay fair mm. enough uh joe what are you thinking hmm well i i think we're gonna see maybe an assassination attempt of some kind from zane and his misting half brother and sister crew i am almost imagining that there's gonna be some kind of turn where you know they go to attack and then zane slaughters all of them and he's like, yep, they're gone. I did it for you, Vin. You're all I've ever wanted. You're all I've ever needed. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm the one Everything that you need. Everything I do, yeah. I do it for you. Uh, you're the one that I need. I'm the one that you loathe. You know, you can watch me corrode like a beast in repose. Uh, <laughs> you know? And uh, I think he he's just... He's gonna go out there for her, man. He's gonna he's gonna protect her because he's got some kind of sick problem. So we'll see. He does have some kind of sick problem. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's indisputable more or less at this point. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What's gonna happen with the assembly? I think Ellen's gonna figure it out. You know, maybe things are gonna take a terrible turn, but uh, hopefully he can win the assembly members back and they can oust whoever is the spy from the assembly. But we'll see. Okay, so, so, so this army, uh, th- this uh, dirty dozen Alamancer group is not going to work out like Straff thinks, and uh, they're going to we... somehow get the throne back. Okay. They, they need, they need a name that's alliterative like that. Um, uh, oh, Straff, uh, the, the Misting Mob, Strays. the Misting Mob. Ooh. That was good. I was thinking Straff Spawn, but uh... Straff Spawn's <laughs> good. I also like Straff Strays. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> Uh, Ventures, uh, voluminous, uh, <laughs> I don't know, throw some more V words in there. Volatile. No, I'm gonna s- nah, but, stick, stick with the misting mob. <coughs> nice the and misting succinct. Mob. The secret mistings. Secret. Okay. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. The incestuous uh, lot. No, oh, no. There's, there's... <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> that that no, took a turn. No. Yeah. Yeah, that, sorry. Not necessary. I forgot, you know. Wasn't that there... wasn't even that wasn't even alliterative. That was just <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't there uh was it there was incest earlier in the book, right? 
I know you're looking hard for it, but uh, what was that? We had a conversation about it before where Joe was disappointed at the lack of incest at one point. Oh, I was joking. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. Okay. If we learn anything from the spook stuff, it's people take your jokes very seriously. (laughs) Yeah, they do. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Let me tell you. Don't say anything about spook. Oh, okay, Jack, Jack. I can't, wait, hold on. I can't. Hold on. One more thing. Okay. okay. I can't. I can't. I don't understand. <laughs> First of all, we are joking, but it's like, Spook's not that interesting. Why do so many people care that I'm mean to him? Why does it matter? <laughs> That's a good point. Anyway, sorry, Jack. Go ahead. <laughs> That's all right. So I've got two for this week. First one is as far as the spy goes. So. I think it is possible that it could be Doxon, given stuff we've already talked about like um, in this episode, but I actually don't think it is him. I think I know who it actually is. It could be wrong, mm. but I think it's Cap. I think it's Captain Demu. Uh, oh, because he's Ooh, Captain he's Demu. Always, he's always hanging around the background. He shows up to a lot of these meetings and just stands there, so he knows information that the inner circle knows. But we barely ever see anything of him, so he's constantly beneath suspicion. But he knows so much. Uh, so, and he was the, like, the maids found the extra body that the other Kandra left behind. He could have, like, left that out because he knew they would have to report to him and then he'd report it up the chain. So, it's like that thing we were talking about when they found the bones. You look at the person who found the body as the person who possibly left it there because then that lowers the suspicion of them. I think Damu could be playing that game as well. Mm. So, I just, yeah. He always seems to be present. He was in this meeting, like, in the room in this last chapter where they were talking about Ellen being deposed, and he didn't say anything, but he was there, he heard everything, he knows everything. So he knows everything the inner circle's doing, and he could easily re- report that back. So I think that's him. I don't hear gasping. No, I, was, I, I, I was just looking, uh, but yeah, you're you're right that Damu is kind of always around. He does hang about. Yeah, it's... It's like, yeah, if Ham's not around, Damu, uh, as the guardsman, is for Ellen. And even when Ham is around, Damu's still there. So, yeah. So, yeah, that's my prediction for the spy. The other prediction is actually one that I came up with while we were recording. Like, specifically, after you mentioned that uh, annotation where he talks about if the Adian was real. And, like, now all of a sudden I think the Lord Ruler's plan all along has just been opened up to me. The Adian's not there. No one can find it because he was using it to hold off whatever doom it was that he was trying, he was telling them about as he lay dying. Like he used the Adium to ward him off. And I thought, okay, how's he doing that? What else do we know about the Adium that other, other people use is uh, that's how they pay off Kandras mm-hmm. who are, yep. you know, adult mist creatures. Uh, and we know that Mistborns only really came about after the Ascension and he granted the powers. So people who are using Atium, came about when the mists first came into being so the mist is uh, a result of i'm just jumping all over the place here but like the mists uh you know the, the remnants of whatever the lord rules holding off now that he's gone they're coming back in force and starting to kill people and we know that because the candor use atium for whatever reason maybe the mists uh also um have atium to like forestall them or something it's like but yeah burning the atium the lord rules used it all up trying to keep the, like the mist at bay and so that's why there's no reserve left it's because it's already been used and maybe the inquisitors have taken it to try and carry on that legacy they're trying to keep the mists at bay with the atium so maybe they've got it Ooh. if if, it, if there's any left at mm. all if it hasn't already been used 
Hmm. So jump, jumped all over a bit there, but I think everyone can get the gist of what I'm talking about. So Kelsier destroying the Pits of Hathson may have been very bad in the long term, is what you're saying. He may have doomed the world. Yeah, you know, Kelsier does stuff like that, though. Yeah, that's just like that guy. Yep. Kelsier. Short-sighted okay. bastard. That, that is a deep one. Uh, it, you know, it, it definitely gives us an idea about what uh, could be going on with Adium, what the Lord Ruler. It kind of rolls a bunch of stuff into one here. I like the way that you're you're weaving different threads together. Hmm. Just the fact okay. that the Kandra, the Mist Monsters, need Atium for some purpose. We don't know what it Something, is. Yep. So, so yeah, they've burnt all the reserve Atium. The Lord Ruler and the Inquisitors have burnt it all to hold the Mist at bay. Now there's none left holding the Mist at bay. So the Atium is the key to that. I wonder how you would fix that at this point. Yeah, that I don't have a prediction for. At this stage, I'm just like, well, if that's true, then they fucked. Yeah, we're screwed then. Mm. Too bad. Bye, world. <laughs> Game okay. over, man. Game over. Yep. Okay. I like that. I, I, I especially like that ending. That It's just like, you know what? When you take that to the logical conclusion, yep, we're all screwed. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> Very. That's, that's the best kind of prediction. The one where you're like, oh, that's even worse than I thought when I was thinking it up. Mm. <laughs> yep. Ah, Dak, why are you depressing me, man? <laughs> okay, so this week we have one email. Oh, my business card. Dak, moment <laughs> ruiner. <laughs> I, I just read the story on your Facebook about how you cut the keys for the magician. And oh, yeah. It's, it, oh, it, yeah, that. It, it's really a letdown when you get to the end. As much, like it, it was clearly a letdown for you when you're like, I, don't, now I have no idea what he was using it for. But then, yeah, when the reader gets to the end of the story, you're like, damn it, now I'll never know what this magician was doing. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, I, it's a thing. I wrote that story in such a way it's just like everyone must feel the same just fury <laughs> that I felt when I realized that. For the, for the listeners at home, long story short, I had to cut a couple of keys for a magician a few years ago. Like he said, he didn't care how they were cut just so they looked like genuine keys. One of them had to have a notch in like the keyhole at the top of the key, a tiny little notch. And he didn't. And I was like, okay, sure. Why not? He was willing to pay. So I, um, so I did all this and it wasn't until after he walked out, I forgot to ask him what the trick was. He probably wouldn't have told mm. you anyway. No, no, yeah. but I'll never know that. Yeah, it's true. Maybe he's a listener. He'll write in. Yeah. Right in, Mr. Magician <laughs> Guy. Tell us about your trick. If you were that magician, please tell us the answer. If you were that Irish guy that Dak tried to trick one time in a store. Oh, my God. Yeah. Tell us what you thought. <laughs> please, sir, we need you. Okay. So we have. Biggest from my past. Over the last two weeks since we recorded, we received one email. So this won't take long to get through. And it is from Eli, who actually. If I'm looking at this, did he invent uh, the? Uh, did he invent no, the cotton didn't, gin? No, did not invent the cotton gin. I knew oh, that's where okay. that was going. Right. <laughs> Based on the email address that Eli has sent from, it may also be somebody who has uh, commented and uh, has a cool Twitter account, or not Twitter. I'm sorry, Instagram account, but uh, about the Cosmere. But anyway, sorry, that's off track. Eli says, uh, first off, really love the podcast, so thank you for doing it. And you invited us to share our thoughts on when to read Secret History, and I have an entire essay, so here we go. And I'm not going to read that whole thing because there's lots of spoilers for other stuff in here. But Eli says he firmly believes that the correct time to read Secret History is after Bands of Mourning. Sanderson himself has recommended it be read this way. So uh, so on and so forth. Which, uh, yes, you have some very compelling arguments here. Uh, I... I, I was aware of these things already, but uh, laying laying them all out, I see your point here, Eli, and I will take that into consideration when we get that far. We're getting a lot of you're a full lot of crap, of Eli. And I knew, 
I knew from the beginning that uh, that secret history was going to be contentious either way uh, with the audience. We're no matter how we read it, we're going to have some people like, "No, that was the wrong way to do it," and some people like, "Yeah." So I, I like that uh, it's gotten such a response from the audience that we've gotten a bunch of emails uh, about recommendations of which way we should do it. But also, like, there's so much debate about this story we haven't read yet. So now I'm just like, <laughs> this, this story is going to be yeah. a real game changer given how passionate everyone is about it. Apparently. It does seem, it does seem like that, huh? That's that's what we're going to do, right? When we get to the end of uh, of these three books, it's like, so whether or not we read Secret History next, what do you think is going to happen? That'll be the prediction, and no one will have any <laughs> ideas. <laughs> Oh, yeah, exactly. No, no, no. <laughs> okay, yeah, that'll be the everyone's just like I don't know, and that's the end of that predicted section. Yeah, well, we're ruled, we're ruled over by conjure dogs. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so, thank you, Eli. If anyone else wants to send us emails uh, of any kind, you can find us. Send it to the Sanderlanch at gmail dot com. You can find us on Twitter. A couple, a couple more people liked our tweet. Uh, our, our, our tweet since the last time I mentioned it, where I was like, "Yeah, we got like two people who like our tweets." But uh, Alejandro and Alex have been liking. So yeah, we're getting more people on the on the Twitter. You can also see us on uh, on Instagram. Find us on Facebook. Our last Instagram post was the first picture that I haven't taken personally, and it was the most popular by far. Which probably means people don't want to see pictures that I've taken. I need to go out and find. Uh, <laughs> Random other yeah. things to post that are way better. No more, uh, no more pictures of Dimitri. I guess that's unfortunate. Oh, but he's such a good kitten. Yeah, he's a good cat. <laughs> anyway, uh, did I say all the places? I think I said all the places. We're we're all over the place. You can find us. It's the Sandalancha yeah. everywhere. There's an e at the end of of the word. Just uh, don't don't forget that bit. And for next week, we are reading chapters twenty nine. 30 and 31 that is three chapters again will we get the action that everyone's been wanting tune in and find out yeah music by miracle sound yes music by miracle i, t- I totally cut you into the last episode uh, saying that it'll be super obvious to anyone listening <laughs> it's it, it, like i'm in the middle of talking about something completely unrelated and joe just pops in and be like music by miracle sound <laughs> well it is i don't remember every time sadly but that being said, now we've hit on that all-important point. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Come back next week to hear our, our, our opinions about the exciting giant fight scene that's coming up. Oh, whoops, spoiled that. What? Wink, wink. Oh, no. Nudge, nudge. <laughs> or I'm lying. Uh, it's prob- yeah, I'm, it was... I'm probably lying. Yeah, the, the next three chapters are just going to be them in an assembly meeting. Yep, it's just one long assembly meeting. I'm, <laughs> yeah. you, you figured it out. The three yeah. chapters. Tune in, yeah. Tune in next week when we talk about an assembly meeting and I quit the podcast. Or source sitting there making jokes and yeah, it'll be great. Right. So Who doesn't want to talk? To, like, dog? put forth his own campaign to be king, and everyone's like, "Spooks, shut up." Yeah. <laughs> spook should campaign to be king. That would be awesome. And then, uh, yeah, spook. vote Spook. <laughs> He's got posters like in in street slang or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Wasing to the vote, everyone. <laughs> um Um, yeah that's good hey but who wouldn't want a talking dog that's what we need to do they need to prop up orser as the king (laughs) all hail dog all hail dog they're like that dog talks make him the king then in an orser 2020 i'm I'm making that sign to put on my yard it's a little late for that now but so come back next week for orser's campaign uh where he fights spook in a debate about who will be the new king it's the best best scene in the book yeah 
Orser, uh, Orser's running campaign is like more bones, or sorry, <laughs> more flesh, less bones. Uh, more flesh, <laughs> more bones, more death. Just the the things that everyone wants all the time. Okay, guys. Uh, wasing to the time of next, everyone. And we try, try, try to keep a little beauty in the world. All that die, 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 we'll keep it in our hands. Never let it fade